The Discerning Geeks Portal's Babylon 5 spin-off podcast was a dream given form. Its goal, to review each episode of Babylon 5, a show about officers, telepaths, criminals, and ambassadors, humans and aliens wrapped in five seasons of storytelling, standing tall amongst the rest. It can be a classic show, but it's our lasting best hope, for science fiction. These are our reviews of the original Babylon 5 TV show. The year is 2022. The name of the podcast is Discerning Lurkers Portal. Welcome, Discerning Lurkers, to the Discerning Lurkers Portal, a Babylon 5 podcast, hosted by my best friend, Todd, and Babylon 5 expert, and myself, kind of a newbie to the Babylon 5 universe, as we discuss episode by episode, the arguably the greatest science fiction TV show ever, Babylon 5. No argument needed. No argument needed, no. okay. <laughs> Just everybody agree to it. There you go. It's the okay. way it ought to be. And uh, this week we'll be discussing episode 10. Mm-hmm. Yep. Believers. And you know, this is what I forgot to do. I usually do a rundown and I forgot to do it, but I can, I'm going to kind of try to do it by memory here. Okay. Um, the, this episode is kind of uh, Dr. Benjamin Franklin's what, spotlight episode, I guess is the way I would yeah. like to, to, to put it. You know, yeah. they, they do a few of these occasionally where you get, a the spotlight on one character we, we're definitely spotlighting on him this episode as he deals with a kind of moral dilemma and crisis as he is treating a young boy um, who is suffering from some kind of breathing disease and his race will not allow surgery to correct it um, there's also a, a subplot where Ivanova gets to go out and fight some raiders. And that's about it. Did I miss anything? <laughs> no, no, that's about it. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much the plot of this one. And you could just about leave out the part about the raiders because <laughs> we don't even really see it. She just kind of no. goes out there. And yeah. That was about it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, if you've been following our podcast, we've got different sections of the Babylon 5 that we go through, and in each section we talk about different things, and we always start off in our blue sector, which kind of gives us our plot summary, a rundown, and then Todd, you've always got some little nit- or, or little facts about kind of, you know, the behind-the-scenes stuff, who wrote and directed that kind of thing. So give, fill us in on, on Believers. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. Uh, before we begin, just a, a little bit of apology for our unintended hiatus. Oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and I'd like to give a little bit of a shout out to Ryan and Rachel uh, Slowinski. I hope I'm pronouncing that right from the Yum Yum podcast. That's a, uh, well, it's not an exclusively Babylon 5 podcast. They reviewed a few other things like poor things they've they've suffered through star trek discovery i think they might even reviewed star trek picard uh but they're currently reviewing babylon 5 like we are and and they're about uh one season ahead of us 
but one or both of them apparently listened to us because they were mentioning on Twitter, it's like, hey, guys, you've left us hanging. <laughs> When's your next episode? We want to know what the deal is with, with Believers. Uh, so I just wanted to, to shout out for them and say, hey, we're finally getting to it. Uh, and, and thank you for listening. And, uh, and they're a really cool podcast. I listen to them all the time. Uh, and they're a husband and wife team in Australia. So, um, so yeah, everybody check out check out their podcast too. Yeah, definitely. And and definitely apologies. Um, it has been a little bit crazy the last couple of months. Um, change, I changed jobs. I know Todd's had kind of changed positions at his job and, and, and some requirements. Um, and we've had some life things, of course. Um, for those that follow our other podcast, the Discerning Geeks Portal, you know about the passing of our best friend, Dave. So we've, uh, we've had some, some, some ups and downs and it's been really hard to kind of get um into a good groove where we were before recording this but we're we're back we're going to do our best to get into a, a groove and hopefully not leave you guys hanging anymore as we can continue to go episode by episode through these through babylon 5 we're still in season one so hang with us we got a long ways to go and yes thank you for mentioning that todd and yeah let's get into talking about this episode Okay, so Believers has a transmission number of 110. So, yes, yeah, the 10th episode this season. Uh, season one was filmed quite a bit out of order. So, production number is 105. So, it came pretty early in the, in the production. For now, the JMS viewing order is still the same. Uh, the original air date was April 27, 1994. The writer was David Gerald. The director was Richard Compton. Uh, this is David Gerald's only B5 script. Um, some people might recognize his name. He has uh, either written or rewritten things for Star Trek before. And then as far as Richard Compton directing, this is his next to last episode as director by air order and the third to last by production order. So, yep. April 27th was my birthday. I turned 18. Oh, that's when, right. When this was released. I was trying to think back where I would have been when I was 18. I guess that was college somewhere <laughs> somewhere in my college years or um, would it be high school no i think i was in college by then because okay. uh, yeah i think i was a freshman in college so okay but anyways, no you couldn't yeah. have been i graduated in 93 you graduated in 94 oh you're right i'm sorry that's right 94 was my year of graduation yeah that's correct that was my senior year of high school okay cool yeah you're right i, I yep I apologize. See, and that's it, what gets for getting old. <laughs> and knowing you and that being your birthday, you were almost certainly skipping school that, that day. <laughs> it was a good possibility. Um, I was not watching Babylon 5, though. <laughs> I did not watch it back then. Um, I didn't get to come on board until much later. And and uh, now this is my first serious watch to through episode by episode. So I'm curious to see, you know, kind of what that means. Sweet Christmas. Will you two get going with the episode? Let's move on into our red sector. Please watch your step. This is a low gravity area. Please hold handrails at all times. Leaving blue sector. Now entering red sector. And all right. Initial reaction. Okay. This has always been one of my least favorite episodes. Until now. At one time, I might have had it at the bottom, maybe even maybe next to, to bottom. 
The weird thing is that every single time I've watched this episode, I dislike it slightly less than the time before. And so it has gradually gone up. And this in the last time that I did a major rewatch, which is a few years ago, I rated this a C, which still means it was in the dislike category. And that was the highest it's ever been. This time it got up to a C plus, which for me, it means mediocre, which means just barely into the light category. So I technically do not dislike this episode any longer, but also just barely like, I mean, just barely. Uh, in fact, in the last few episodes I've mentioned, well, we've had a few of the bad episodes already in early season one. And I've mentioned that I used to have seven episodes I disliked, but now I only have six. Well, this is the one that crossed the line. So, uh, so I'm really curious what you think about it. So I know we're early in, we've only, you know, done well, 10 episodes or 10 of the regular episodes. And then the, the pre the, the movie, um, the intro movie. Um, and yeah, by far, this is my least favorite. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, by far. I, I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, for lots of reasons. I, this, this, and it's kind of a shame because it, it's going to take a little bit for them to revive Dr. Franklin's character for me after this one because, uh, yeah, I, I was really liking him and, and then this episode and was very thrown off by this episode and, and not really enjoyed it. So he, he has some major ups and downs of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole episode had some major ups and downs. Um, it, it, it was very weak all the way around. And in many ways, it's kind of weird because to me, this is almost a, almost a standard plot in a lot of like science fiction, you know, oh, it's the moral dilemma, you know, it's the, the anti-vaxxer versus, you know, or the, you know, the, the religious reasons versus the, the medicine and the science and, and almost every good science fiction series eventually has an episode like this. And I'll be honest, this was probably done weaker than almost all of the ones, the other ones that have done it. So yeah, I was, I was not, not impressed. So. And my personal dilemma is that in some ways I totally agree with you and understand where you're coming from. And in other ways, I disagree with you. Okay. And it, it is the part of me that, like I said, has gradually disliked this episode less and less because there are, you know how over on our other podcasts and, and granted here too, I, I kind of pride us in, in taking bad things and finding redeeming qualities and even the best things and still finding nitpicks because technically nothing is perfect. Nothing is absolute trash. Everything is somewhere in the middle. Right. And yeah. Uh, and that is kind of the way I feel about this episode, but it's kind of the ultimate example of it that there is such bad stuff that it makes me cringe. When I was rewatching a little while ago, I was literally yelling at the TV <laughs> at certain parts of it. <laughs> Yet there are also some things in there that have impressed me. And I think I've, I think the stuff that makes me cringe and yell at the TV have blinded me to the better stuff. And gradually I have seen the redeeming qualities and that's why I'm somewhere in the middle on it. Okay. Okay, I'll have to. I'm anxious to hear some of those because, yeah, to me, some of the coolest parts of this episode happened off screen. 
Okay. Um, I kind of joked, we kind of talked about the, the B plot, you know, with uh, Ivanova taking out a patrol and, and they're escorting a, a freighter with some families on it, I think, uh, refugees of some kind uh, to Babylon 5, and they're going through raider space or whatever and they get a blip and the raiders show up and amount of uh kind of breaks rank and breaks protocol to go out and fight them and then the next thing we see is kind of them making it back and she's talking and it's like oh well definitely looks like you you went through some stuff because we're gonna have to do a lot of repairs on the fighter you took out but we don't get to see any of it. It was, <laughs> they didn't show us any of the fight whatsoever. It was just like, Oh yeah, she, she fought off some people and, and had to do some cool stuff. But, and that was the best part of the episode. So <laughs> you've already touched on some of the stuff that I was going to list in Brown sector. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm getting ahead of myself. I got to stay focused, stay on target. So yeah, let's, uh, we've got our initial reactions. I've kind of talked about the, uh, the plot um and i think what was the race the on teen on teen rate oh uh, yeah yes and i don't think that's ever mentioned on the screen that's one of those kind of behind the scenes factoids okay so this on teen child requires surgery but their parents won't allow it they say only like animals for slaughter can be cut open yeah and and or their soul gets out yeah, I'll expand on that a lot in Brown Sector. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not terrible as a sci-fi religious concept. It's just that those parents don't really vocalize, like uh, express themselves well. They don't. They just don't yeah. have the best wording. And so, yeah, their explanation doesn't come off well, even if there's some kind of logic in it too. Yeah. And then we've got the B plot, which is just Ivanova fighting, you know, kind of the taking care of this distress call. Um, what else do we have kind of in our in our red sector here? Well, OK, so there's this big debate over whether to perform the surgery on the child or not. And Franklin was really smart to counter Sinclair's argument about precedence with the fact that Sinclair ordered Dr. Kyle to say the life of Ambassador Kosh. And that happened in the, the pilot episode. Yep. They haven't forgotten about that. And it always kind of, kind of impresses me that they don't ignore the pilot because the pilot was kind of rough around the edges, but it's not like they forget that it existed. Um, and Sinclair has a really interesting argument. And I can't help but wonder if this is a, a famous saying or if it's something that was totally made up for this episode. But Sinclair argues that that was the nose of the camel in the tent and that Franklin operating on the kid would be the rest of the camel. And I thought that was a, an interesting viewpoint. I guess maybe that's his way of saying, yes, it happened one time, but one time doesn't make something precedence. If it's two or three times, then that's a pattern and that becomes precedence. But if it happens one time, then that's just kind of a, oops, I had, I tried to, I, I had to try something better right. to not do that again uh, type of thing. And well, I think that's what he's implying. And I did like at the end, Sinclair kind of pointed out to Franklin that it was kind of in the future, it would be better for him not to seek his permission. There's an old saying, and I've had to resort to it occasionally in my life. Sometimes it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, because he had to decide and make a ruling. And, and when he does, then that puts 
it into the form of a command. If he goes against the command, then that's a worse offense. Had he just done it and not involved him, then he would have gotten a smack on the wrist. In the future, you would have needed to come to me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I did think that was kind of interesting, kind of in the, in the dynamic. Now, I will say, if, if I have a favorite part of this, uh, second favorite part or, or part of this plot that I like, I did like how the these parents, the on-team couple parents, went to the other ambassadors mm-hmm. and tried to get them to intervene on their behalf. Mainly just because I love seeing these ambassadors act like ambassadors and doing their role. You know, yeah. we talked about it in other episodes. I love seeing them when they're debating and when they're in the council chambers and that kind of thing. And this was a little bit of a different take on it in that I don't think we ever saw them in the council chambers. No. But it was still interesting that they were being able to play their roles, that they were able to to be, you know, kind of sought out to to take this other smaller race um, I guess a member of like the non-aligned world to, to speak on their behalf. And that way um, it, it was, it was, it, I thought that was cool. Yeah. Because they're lacking representation. I'm not even sure they could call a council meeting. I'm not even positive that they're a member of the league of non-aligned world. Oh, that's they right. Might, yeah. I, I'm not, they might be, but they might just be kind of a free floating race. I, I don't know. I'm not totally sure. They're not developed super well. I think we do see a member of the on teen race in a future episode called TKO. But yeah, I like that too. It was in my notes as a major thing. And I do like that also. And one of the things that impressed me is that they, they didn't skip any of the ambassadors because, uh, well, now granted, they could have gone to some of the league ambassadors, but the league ambassadors don't carry a whole lot of weight because they all together have one vote. So they went to, to each of the four main ambassadors other than Sinclair and I was originally thinking that they skipped one. Uh, you and I have talked before in a previous episode. I think it was one where they were doing the ceremonies and they skipped the Narn because Jakar had a totally different subplot. And we both said, hey, we'd rather see the ceremony right. subplot for the, for the Narn. And I think there is a future episode where one of the races gets skipped. I think when a, a young telepath is on the station or something like that um, and they go around to the ambassadors, but they skip one. Here they didn't skip any. They didn't even skip Kosh. And you were talking about how they didn't go to the chambers. They they went to each one of them's personal residence, but they didn't do that with Kosh. How did they get a moment with Kosh? The only thing I can think of is they ambushed him because they were literally talking to Kosh in a walk in a hallway. And Kosh was probably like, "How did I end up in a meeting?" Um, so I, I thought that was interesting. And uh, and each one of them had a different reason for turning them down. And you know, you said that you like the scenes where they're acting like ambassadors. Yes, it, you could possibly say that it was discompassionate of them to turn the couple down and blah, blah. But they were acting like ambassadors because, just like Jakar said, it's kind of an interweaving of of mutual interest. And, you know, I'll do something for you, but what are you going to do for me? Yeah. And the couple literally did not have anything to offer. And so it might be a little bit cold, but that's kind of the way politics and diplomacy work. And I also don't blame them because there was obviously going to be a bit of a firestorm involved in the possibility of breaking these, these rules and everything. And why would the ambassadors want to get involved with that? 
even for good reasons. I mean, even Delenn, who is more compassionate, had to turn him down. So, yeah, um, yeah I thought that was interesting. Well, it was cool. And, and each had their own reason for turning them down. You know, you kind of knew, felt like, oh, they're going to Delenn. Well, they're probably going to help them out. But for the Mimbari, yeah, it was, it kind of came down to religious reasons why they wouldn't help them out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we understand that you're seeking us and you want this help based on your religious reasons, but for our religious reasons, we can't help you on your religious reasons. So it was kind of a, a an interesting little dynamic that happened, and I thought that was pretty cool. What else do we have? Do we have anything else in this red sector that we wanted to, to go over? Yeah, one little tiny thing, and then I have a question to ask you. Okay. So um, you were talking about how Franklin didn't really impress you in this episode. Um, I have to admit that one thing I was kind of impressed with is that he was trying to solve the problem at the beginning because, now granted, he was mistaken, but he, he at least tried something. He tried to tell the parents that there might be an alternative method to helping the kid. And even though he knew it wouldn't work and the other doctor knew it wouldn't work, he was like, this might soften them up. If we try something and they see that that's not working, then maybe they'll relent and they'll say, okay, try the surgery. And obviously that's not what happened, but at least he wasn't giving up right away. He had this strategy and it was a little bit sneaky, but at least it was something. And I, I was kind of impressed by that maneuver early on. Yeah. Um, I want to almost give him half credit because he did have the other doctor. I don't know if we mentioned them as a character or if they ever show up again or not, or if that's just a one and throw one throw off. Um, I, th I think she's a one and done one I and think. done. Yeah. He does kind of turn her loose on, you know, well, you can do some research on them and their religion and their background and see if they're, you can come up with any way to get past what they're coming at. But he wasn't willing to do it himself. Yeah. In some way, it was kind of like a pass the buck, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that disappointed me a little bit. I mean, it was good that we saw that there was effort being made there, but it was kind of disappointing that, that he didn't want to do any of it himself. To, to understand where they were coming from. So what's your question? Okay. So I'm wondering how fair do you think this episode is toward religion? Is it very fair because it shows characters respecting it? Or is it very unfair because it shows the kind of dogmatic side of religion? Or does it do a little bit of both? I felt it was a little unfair. Okay. I felt it was very much kind of skewed towards the, the science is right. You know, why is the doctor playing God? Well, it'd be better if we didn't invent God in the first place. And I, so I felt it was very skewed. Um, that was, that was kind of my feeling. And, and I'll, I was kind of the opposite of you. I've, sadly, I think I've watched this episode about three times now, kind of preparing for this episode because we've been kind of, having to put it off for so long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And each time I watched it, I felt a little more worse towards the episode. Hmm. So, so that's kind of where I, where I fall in that. How about you? What do you feel? It's, it's balanced. 
maybe not perfectly balanced, but I think it's a little bit of both because there are some sci-fi shows that would not give a share fa- uh, a fair shake to religion at all. You do have some characters in here that are respecting religion and, and not just their own religion, but other characters respecting somebody else's religion and the the personal meaning and the power that they, that they may have for somebody and respecting it and basing decisions off of it. And I think that that is better than some sci-fi shows and some non-sci-fi shows would do in general. I do think there is a little bit of a missed opportunity there of giving a little bit more credit to the religion because, you know, we're talking about their reasoning behind why they don't want a body cut open and how it's kind of half-baked. I think if they had done something like, let's say when you do cut open the body, there is actually something that could go wrong that the human doctors couldn't expect, like maybe the blood clots too fast or not fast enough, or maybe the inside of the ontine physiology is very susceptible to uh, infection or something like that. Just something to where maybe they actually base this religious idea on something. And so, yes, it might've become dogma over time, but it, it actually came from something that might've been at least a shred logical. And then it could have given a little bit more credit to the parents for, you know, actually having a a kind of valid concern, but no, it was just, it, 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 you're, I think you're right in that it does kind of come off like this is just a religious thing that somebody somewhere in their past probably made up out of their butt and uh, and it just got passed down and nobody questions it. And so in that way, yeah, it doesn't do a great job of religion, uh, but I still think it's kind of a half and half type of thing because there are people in the, in the episode who are respecting religion in the first place. In some ways it kind of is almost like a smack in the face, even to the previous episode of Babylon five, was it Parliament of Dreams where it ends with all the, hey, I'm introducing you to the, all the religions of Earth. And it's mm-hmm. a whole yeah. line. And what gives us our strength? We respect all of these. And it was like, oh, but you're different. We don't respect you. <laughs> and, and, I, and that's kind of how I felt. Like, you know. Um, but Sinclair did. That's true. Sinclair did. Um, but Franklin did not. Yeah, but now Franklin wasn't totally involved in the. I mean, yes, he was there to kind of shake everybody's hands and everything. Right, right, right. But um, I mean, it was Sinclair that came up with that idea from Parliament of Dreams too. I got you. you know, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, that was me. I mean, I like I said, there were a few quotes in there that I really it, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And there was yeah. one specifically, and it was, you know, I know by Franklin. And I don't remember the exact quote, and I meant to write it down, and I didn't. But he basically kind of he says something along the lines of, "It would have been better if we had not invented God in the first place." Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I wasn't crazy about that one either. And and, it, and you can tell, and and it's just that wording, right? It's not that religion is a, a solidified thing. It's religion is treat is treated as a made up set of beliefs, and and whenever you treat a religion like a, a made up set of beliefs, then you know to me that's disrespectful. 
Yeah. Um, and I have a, I kind of have a hard time with that. So that's where I kind of take, you know, my stand from. So, okay, we got to move on because we're yep. going to run long and we get into our green sector. Now entering green sector. And this is our favorite part usually where we get to talk about all the wonderful characters and character development. Um, so be curious to see what we what we get out of this one. We did already talk. This is the, the first um, time we see this, this on-teen race. Do we get to see them in the future? Give me a spoiler. Not a whole lot. And if so, they might be mostly background characters. But like I said, there is a TKO episode where an on-teen is a major fighter in this uh, oh crap! I forgot what it's called. Uh, some some kind of fighting thing that is a, kind of a specialty of the League of Nine Line worlds, and I think there might be a Centauri involved in it too. Okay. And uh, the Antin is is kind of the champion, which you think is weird because surely the guy would get cut cuts and bruises and stuff, and, and maybe even some gashes if he's in enough fights. And you think that that would yeah maybe count as releasing assault, but maybe it only counts for like you know, deeper surgical cuts. Yeah. Um, yeah. We mentioned the doctor. Do we get a name for the, the other doctor that helps him out in the, yeah. In the yeah. It's, yes. Dr. Maya Hernandez. And she's played by Silvana Giardo. Um, and Stephen Lee plays Tharg, the father and Jonathan Charles Kaplan plays Sean, the kid. Uh, did you recognize the mother? I did not. Okay. She was played by Trisha O'Neill, and she played Captain Rachel Garrett, the captain of the NCC-1701C from Yesterday's Enterprise, the fifth episode of the third season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, okay. So she plays the captain there, and she will also return later in B5 as a human. In the TV movie In the Beginning, she'll play the Earth Alliance president. Okay. Okay. I, I'm curious. I'm going to kind of flip it on, on, on you a little bit. Cause I kind of told you I was not excited about Franklin's development in this episode. What did you feel about it? You kind of mentioned it was kind of up and down. Yeah. And, and like I said, I liked him in the beginning and I liked some of his quotes, even if I don't necessarily like his attitude, he does say some pretty major things in this episode, and I wrote down some of the quotes. He's He makes some good points, even, even though he doesn't have the best attitude with his argument, and maybe not even morally or ethically is he in the right, but intellectually he's right. And, and that's what's so tricky and even a little bit frustrating about this episode is there is so much right and wrong mixed up in this episode yeah so do you want me to uh go over some of the quotes maybe yeah let's get into the quotes because I've, I've kind of thrown out some half-hearted ones but yeah go ahead let's let's talk about favorite quotes or dialogue in this one okay now you got my notes though so or do you have any of these you want to mention like are, are any of them your favorites I, I, I do have the one about um, playing God. So that was, that was one that I had. So, okay. So that, that's not one of mine. Okay. So first a, a kind of funny exchange It's the one between Sinclair and Ivanova that comes right before this 
super weak B plot. Yeah. Uh, so it has something to do with the Asimov, which is a starliner and they're in trouble or something. So Sinclair says, is Garibaldi available? Ivanova says, I suppose. Sinclair says, what? Ivanova, nothing. I certainly have plenty of things to occupy myself here. Yes, sir. I think I'll just walk to and fro for a while. Maybe over to my console. After that, maybe I'll try pacing fro and two just for the kick of it. Oh, then there's this view, of course. Granted, it's not quite the same as if you're outside for someone that's got over 100 hours of combat flying experience. Sinclair says, if you'd rather, Ivana says, no, 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 that's okay. That's fine. Don't worry about me. I'm just going to sit here and knit something. Maybe a nice sweater, <laughs> some socks. Does the term stir crazy ring a bell, Commander? And Sinclair says, I have an idea, Lieutenant Commander. Why don't you take the fighter wing and escort the Asimov back to base? And Ivana says, well, if you insist, sir. Yeah. <laughs> and, and not that only is, is a it a week. There's a great yeah. exchange, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. And not only is it a weak subplot, but that's a weak fighter wing. She takes out one other fighter with her. So there's only two of them out there. But um, I think I was going to mention this later in a different sector, but I'll go ahead and say it now since I've, I've read the, the exchange. But I think this was added by JMS. Uh-huh. Um, so, and that's why it might be a little bit more funny than, than what might have been in the episode originally. Okay, okay. Uh, you were talking about the different responses that the ambassadors have yep. uh, to when the parents go and ask him for help. And Londo is just concerned about how much it'll cost. And I think he might have mentioned paperwork too. But the main thing is the cost. And he has a line. It's not exactly a nice line, but it is a an interesting line. He says, how much justice can you afford? Uh, and then uh, Kosh, <sighs> this is the other weird thing. One of Kosh's best quotes in the entire series is in this very divisive episode. Uh, it's the one where the parents have gone to him and asked him for help. And he talks about the precedence that is set that we've already talked about earlier. And he says, the avalanche has already started. It is too late for the pebbles to vote. That is such a great line. I think I used to use that line sometimes in my signature in, in email when I was in college. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, and the weird thing is it comes from this n- not stellar episode. So then we get uh, some quotes that actually have Dr. Franklin involved. Uh, Dr. Franklin says, may God save us from false religion. Sinclair says, what makes religion false? If any religion is right, then maybe they all have to be right. Maybe God doesn't care how you say your prayers just as long as you say them. And I just thought that that was an interesting philosophy to have in regards to whether you agree with it or not. I just, I like the fact that Sinclair is kind of open-minded to the thinking. Later, when Franklin realizes that he is going to defy orders and he's going to operate on the child no matter what, Dr. Hernandez says, Commander Sinclair will throw you off the station. And Dr. Franklin, again, regardless of whether you agree with his attitude or not, I like that he says, I'm already packed, which means he's... He doesn't care. He's just going to take it. He's going to accept the the consequences wherever they are, which in the end, he gets off kind of scot-free, which is a little bit weird. Yeah. And then I kind of had this next part with the Sinclair and Franklin. Okay. All right. Yeah. I didn't, I, you've actually got a little bit more than I had, but I'll, I'll go ahead and start with what you had. You had uh, Sinclair. I gave you a direct order, doctor. You disobeyed it. I should ask for your resignation right here, right now. And Franklin, you want it? It's yours. Sinclair. Don't tempt me, doctor. Who asked you to play God? Franklin, every damn patient who comes through that door, that too. People come to doctors because they want us to be gods. They want us to make it better or make it not so. They want it 
want to be healed and they come to me when their prayers aren't enough. Well, if I have to take the responsibility, then I claim the authority too. I did good and we both know it. No one is going to take that away. Or will they? Yeah. And and that was, I think when I concentrated on that scene more, that is one of the main things that helped pull me over into the barely like it category because he he's right. I mean, people, we, we go to doctors because they're the ones that are educated and we assume that because they are, and because they know a lot, because there's all kinds of modern medicine and technology and everything that they can heal us and should heal us. And we want them to, and in a way he's right. We do expect them, expect them to play God. And sometimes they do. And in the good way. They actually do heal people. And, you know, we can pull off some miracles with modern medicine and surgery and think about what it's like 400 years down the road. It's probably even more so. More like 236 years, but still, yeah, way in the future. And so, yes, in a way, we do expect them to play God in a way and to preserve life beyond what some natural course might be dictating. And from his point of view, he did do good. But again, that's only from the scientific standpoint. He actually did save a life. And as a doctor, that's what he's sworn to do. And so from his perspective, I can kind of sort of appreciate his passion for it. Now, granted, there's a scene coming later where he kind of throws that out the window. Mm -hmm. But he, in that moment, I can't help but kind of agree with him too. Um, uh, and see, so, this is one of the, the, the same moment is what that, that same, the reason I had it written down is that was part of what turned me against him, you know? Oh, really? Yeah. Because it, it's, it's just pure arrogance. And, and I've, you see it in a lot of TV shows, you know, especially any of them that involve a doctor, you know, all of them end up with a God complex at some point, it feels like, and have to come to the realization that they're not all that. I don't know that I felt like Franklin learned that lesson anywhere. And and it's sad because I think it was just an episode or two before where I really loved his character. He had a brief scene with talking about how during the Earthman Bari War, um, he destroyed his notes and rather than turning them over to the, you know, for the Earth to use against them and Earth forces to use against them. I was like, oh, that's cool. He's really standing up for something that's right. This kind of takes it and it's not what's right or wrong. It's what he thinks is right or wrong. It's only his opinion. And as long as you agree with his opinion, then you can agree that he's in the right. But if at any point you disagree with him, it's, he still thinks he's always right. He thinks he is God. And I have a problem with that. It makes me not like his character. Yeah. And you mentioned arrogance. I, I feel like in that moment, he didn't display arrogance. There's definitely a moment coming up yeah. that he's going to display arrogance. And I've, I've got a mention of that later. I feel like one thing that you can say about Franklin, and it's going to, it's already been evidence like from what you just said, and there's going to be evidence of it later too. He does have very solid extreme principles, but sometimes when somebody has very solid extreme principles, that just means they're going to be that much more at odds with other people that have different principles. Yeah. And so I think that, and that's what is so tricky about his character. And again, about this episode is that I can kind of respect him for taking a side so strongly and believing in it so passionately, but at the same time kind of disagree that 
he shouldn't have done it. It's almost, which I guess does lean toward what you're saying is that he should have respected somebody else's principles instead of his own. Right. And at the same time, I appreciate him having such strong principles. It's, oh, I got you. It, it, it's tough. All right. This next one's going to be loaded. We got uh, him. Oh. Yeah. Cause I do have another question for you, but real quick. Okay, um, yeah, go ahead. So um, I think that the winner of this episode it, or as far as the best character is Sinclair. And it's because I think he does the really right thing. Uh, you've got everybody asking what should be done about the kid. He goes and he asks the kid what should be done. And the kid also brings up his be- religious belief. And Sinclair could be like, you know, he could start spouting his difficulty or what the doctor believes. And he just says, Tell me about it. He wants to hear what the kid has to say and whether the kid believes in his own uh, religion. And uh, he wants to know what he would do. And Sinclair did something nobody else did. He listened. You know, you were talking about how uh, about how Franklin didn't do the research. He passed it off on the other yeah. doctor. Uh, but Sinclair actually went and listened to the kid. And then afterwards, he said, smart kid. So he even gave the kid credit for his beliefs. And based his decision on the kid's own wishes. So I think Sinclair is kind of the winner of the episode, which kind of brings me to my question for you. So is there any individual or group in this episode that you think is more right or more wrong than everybody else? And oh, and actually, I kind of have a second uh, question. Who puts in the best performance? I have a hard time answering the question. I'm going to kind of fudge a little bit and go ahead and go into Brown sector. And it has to do a lot with one of the the things that I think was one of the weaknesses of this episode. Like you, I really enjoyed the scene or the, the, the concept that Sinclair goes and asks the kids about what he believes. That being said, again, off camera, we know that this conversation takes place. We're not given any of the, the reasons why or what the kid believes or any of that. We're not told we don't get to see it. And so we're left to make a choice between who's right or wrong, this science or this religion that we know almost nothing about. (laughs) And the problem is there's not enough information to make a decision. They don't describe the religion. They don't tell us what they believe enough or why they believe it enough to make a decision based on it. We're given half lines and half, you know, this, that, and the other. And no one takes the time to sit there and explain, no, this is the reason, this is what's going on. This is the belief. This is the whole thing. So that's why you kind of asked the question earlier, you know, do I feel like it's, you know, kind of anti-religious? And I really do kind of feel like it is because the, the, the one side is never given a platform. It's like, well, which do you believe is right? This side over here, which we've explained and gone through all this trouble and argued and had these characters arguing about and telling you that the science is right, or this other side where we don't give you anything. And it's like, you can't make a decision because we don't know what the other side even believes. And, And that's where I come off as saying that it was really just halfway done. And so I can't make that decision. I mean, given the evidence, there's, I don't know. I don't know what, I I couldn't tell you two things other than that they're against being cut open, you know, what the religion means and why it would, 
you know, why it should stand up. There's, there's no evidence there. There's no information. And I think that was intentional to make the other side look good. <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh, well, we have a straw man over here and we have all of this evidence and argument over here on the other side, which one's more powerful, you know? And that's one of my biggest nail picks. I would have loved to have the kid explain and hear on camera what he's talking about and explaining his religion so that we know if it should mean anything or not. And we weren't. That's definitely a good point. And even on that, I have mixed feelings because if other scenes and other dialogue in this episode had been better when it came to explaining the religion, then yes, I would want to hear the kid's point of view. Considering what they gave us in the rest of the episode, <laughs> man, it's a mixed blessing the kid didn't go into it because it would just be more crap about the egg and the great this and the great that. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, there's, so, there's no explanation. It's not. A, yeah. I, it doesn't I make think, any sense. <laughs> I, I think that that would have required a, a little bit more, um, skill in describing a religion and making a religion sound good. And I, I don't think that didn't seem to be a goal of the writer of this episode. Right. Um, and so I think considering what we heard elsewhere, I was okay with the kids skipping it. I, that being off <laughs> camera, thank goodness. Uh, I didn't want to hear anymore. I, but like you, I, I think I would have want to hear more if it had been done better in the first place. Okay. Um, as for kind of, you know, best performance, I got to say, although I didn't feel like we were given a lot of explanation, I don't know. I, I, I was partial to the, um, the mom. Oh, uh, wow. I, I was, I was kind of partial to the mom. Now, I, I mean, St. Clair always does a great job and, and I, I'm with you in feeling like, his interactions with everybody is always really on point and, and that kind of thing. But I kind of, I kind of lean towards the mom. Okay. All yeah. right. I'm going to have to go with Rick Biggs as Stephen Franklin. Okay. Sort of. <laughs> There's some parentheses here. Sort of. With the exception of the gloppet egg scene. More on that in a moment. And his moment of arrogance that you've already talked yeah. about. Also more on that. In a moment. Those, 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 oh, but otherwise mostly the, the quotes that I gave the intensity of those moments uh, where he spat off those lines, where you agree with them or not, it's, those were good performances and the shock of seeing what happened at the end. I, I think he really pulled off a lot of good stuff there at the same time. There's some crap in there too, <laughs> but, uh, but I think for the most part, I got to give it to him. And see, strangely enough, I enjoyed the Gloppet egg. I, I could see a doctor. Oh my goodness! I could see a doctor using something like that to, you know, hey, here's something to distract you. You're going through this horrible thing. Here's a little something just to kind of make you feel like I'm more human, and and be able to relate to you, and and kind of so you're not scared. I I like that. I thought that was pretty cool. And now, and I like the. Even better at the end, the kids kind of like, yeah, it's just industrial goo. But you know, Doctor Franklin thinks it's a gloppet egg. I was like, I think that was awesome that the kid knew that it was just a ploy, but was also willing to play along. You know, I, I thought that was cool. I have mixed feelings there too because it also <laughs> shows the kid was stupid enough to think the doctor was stupid enough. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's like they're both trading stupidity. <laughs> Somebody to speak up and say it's industrial good. And what? Okay, we're getting brown sector already. Now entering brown sector. Oh yeah, we're in the brown. Industrial goo. <laughs> industrial goo. What? What, what is, is industrial goo? <laughs> Goo? Seriously? And it wasn't even just the kid who was calling it goo. Dr. Hernandez called it goo also. Stop calling it goo. And what makes it industrial? And why does it glow? What does it do? What's if it, it glows, then what's, what's so industrial about it? It probably is a toy. Oh, my goodness. The Glopidex. <laughs> and, and you stroke it just, just like this. And you talk to it just like that. Oh, my goodness. That's when I was screaming at the TV. <laughs> Everything about the Galapagos scene. I was just like, no, stop. Okay. Okay. I, I, like I said, I saw its merits. There were parts of it. I was kind of like, okay, that's kind of dumb. I don't know why we're handing out industrial goo and whatever it is. It kind of <sighs> sounds like some kind of like waste byproduct of making. Something. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but. Apparently, it, it glows when you stroke it. I don't know why. But. Why? What? <laughs> and why is it everybody knows it's goo, but everybody's lying to each other? It, oh, oh, my goodness. Oh, it just makes me twitch. I agree with Todd. The year is 2258. Somebody give the kid an electronic game. Okay, so, so are, are, seriously, are we in Brown's Oh, sector? yeah, we're in Brown's Sector. We're oh, thank goodness. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. thank goodness. Because I've given this episode a lot, a lot of credit. Now I need to give it a lot of crap. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to go both ways with this episode. All right. Do you have anything or you want me to go? I mean, I, I feel like I've already said it, so I, I'll just kind of summarize. I mean, obviously, we have this religion that's just not developed at all. Oh, we come from the great egg. We can't be punctured or cut open or anything like that. And you kind of mentioned it with like, apparently they have, they show up later and he's in the fight. I'm like, okay, so the first time you fall down and poke yourself with a stick and you bleed, you've lost your soul. I mean, that, <laughs> yeah. how does that even make sense? You know, oh, as soon as your body is, is opened in any way, your soul floats out. Okay, come on. In, yeah. I mean, I, what do they live in little plastic bubbles their whole life so that they never get a cut or a scrape or anything? I mean, that's that doesn't make any sense. And yeah, and then the religion itself is just all over the place. It's like, oh, we come from the great egg and the great egg says this and and yet it they they never explain any of it. Um, the closest that I get and the only kind of like relieving line, one little tiny line, and actually Dr. Franklin says it, is he's explaining the surgery and it's like, now I'll make a small incision and when I first do that, there's going to be like a puff of air. Oh, is that the soul supposed to be leaving when there's a puff of air coming out? Is that how this works? Um, and that's the only explanation given you know, and it's it's kind of like almost a throwaway line. It's like, oh, is that supposed to be what all this is tied up in? You know, if that's the case, can we put a bubble over it when he makes the decision? Look, we call look, we culture soul. Now we could just push the air back in and you're good. I mean, <laughs> I don't understand. There was Yeah, go ahead. It, 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 and also Franklin says that the soul doesn't live inside your skin, but this same show, just a few episodes ago, in my least favorite episode, Soul Hunter, 
showed soul essence, whatever it is, being sucked out of out of a body and into a little glass jar. So maybe maybe there is something to it, and maybe yeah, and, and you're right, it, it never got explored. But also, this whole religion thing also led to some clunky dialogue. At the very beginning, they said, "We are the children of time." What does that mean, children of time? It, what does it have to do with eggs? Anyway, they say we cannot break our covenant any more than you could cease to be the descendant of egg sucking mammaloids. What? Yeah. Egg sucking mammaloids are first. Mammaloids is that a word? Why just mammals? Just mammals. Also, egg sucking. Yes, humans as mammals can eat eggs, but we we poach them, we scramble them, we grill them, we suck on them. We don't suck on eggs. What? Who are they talking? Are they, maybe they're not talking about humans? Maybe. Maybe the Brachiria or the Drazi, maybe they suck eggs or something. I, I don't know. But egg-sucking mammaloids is just clunky dialogue. And there's there's so much of that in, in this episode of just dialogue just makes you kind of twitch. And yes, I know that they're non-human and so maybe they don't have the best uh, grasp of English or whatever. But it's just there's just certain things in the episode that just seem like intentionally weird another thing manya and datya as substitutes for mom and dad yeah. and yes i know it makes sense that as aliens they will probably have different words for mom and dad but there's something annoying about the words themselves manya and datya especially the way he pronounces them it's just and no offense to the kid as an actor or anything it's just they don't they come out sounding clunky it almost would have been just been better if he had just called them mom and dad or mama and papa or where right. they come up with better words there's just something about those words that were just cringeworthy no i'm with you there wasn't much about this race that they developed in any way that was felt comprehensive which i think was i think is part of the biggest issue with this episode in so many other things in babylon 5 we have minor little races or things like this or little elements of dialogue. And you can tell that there's so much developed already behind the scenes that we're just scratching the surface. Mm -hmm. And in this one, it felt like nobody wanted to go to the trouble to actually develop them. So it was just like, we'll just make it as vague as possible. Yeah. Yeah. We'll make the, you know, whatever lines that they say not make any sense. In some ways, this episode could have been so much more with just some tiny little changes. I almost could have seen this episode being one of my favorites if, strangely enough, after the surgery, the kid was maybe very realistically different. Like maybe his soul did escape. That would have made this like kind of a cool episode. You would have been like, "Wow, his that they were right. His whole religion was based on this, and and now he's different." And whoa, what does that mean? You know, and it would have explored such a different tone and such a different thing that I was like, "Oh," or I mean, and, and I could think of a, a hundred other different little things, but that that was the first one. I was like, "How would this episode have been different if it actually like?" prove the fact that the religion was true versus going the other way 
what would that have meant for Franklin's character who has to come to terms with, wow, there are stuff out there. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would have actually think I would have finished the episode seeing some kind of growth in his character. I didn't see that in this episode. He started the episode with a certain level of arrogance. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm right. And he finished it and I would have done it again. He didn't grow at all. Well, I don't know because I don't know if we get a chance to see another situation like this in the future, but I would think he did learn something that is just like Sinclair said. Sometimes you can do the right thing. and I'm, You can't see me. I'm using right with quotey fingers. Uh, the right thing, and it doesn't make a difference. Now he knows to be, probably be more careful about people's religion and culture and make sure that something he does isn't going to trigger them to do the exact opposite of what he wants by doing doing what he wants to do that, you know, if, if giving somebody a surgery or a certain medicine or something is going to make somebody want to, uh, kill themselves or have somebody kill them or something or, or, or do self-harm or whatever, then, okay, I really should stay out of it as much as it sucks. And as much as I may not want to, as much as a doctor, I might want to heal. If healing is going to be counterproductive because something else is going to come after that, then I think, think he learned that lesson, but you're kind of right in that we may not get an opportunity to tell that. Mm. Uh, I can't remember if there's an episode that addresses that or not. Well, I am looking at our time and we are running very long, so we're going to have to fly through some of this. Okay. So um, uh, let me see. All right. So we've already talked a little bit about uh, his arrogance. I had in, in Brown Sector that I didn't like the way he was so smug and expected an apology. I was like, wow, you really threw a lot of that goodwill out the window because I was so expressed with his speech just a few minutes earlier. And then I just would want to punch him in the face for, yeah. for acting smug. Even if he was right, again, I'm using quotey fingers he didn't have to act arrogant about it. He was still in trouble and he should have still known that he was in trouble to, to, to act so cocky. That was, that was not right. Uh, he dodged a, a bullet yeah. there. We've been talking about the B plot and I haven't said much about it. And my point in Brown sector is there's not much to say about it. It's not a B plot. It's a B half plot. It's like boring. Two <laughs> Maybe yeah. Three. And, yeah. And anticlimactic. And I was going to say this for gray sector, but I might as well say it now. It was written um, I think JMS had to write it later because the episode ran short. Mm. So if it felt like filler, it was literally filler. And then lastly, the episode kind of ends on a dull note uh, with just Garibaldi saying, yeah, you missed some stuff. Let me fill you in. And then uh, Franklin just kind of sitting there depressed. Uh, so the question I was going to ask you in Brown's sector is what is the worst part of the episode? And you've already listed a lot of bad things. So what was the, the worst part? I mean, and, and it is kind of that, that whole running through it to me, the, the worst part is we're basing a whole episode on the beliefs of a race that you tell us almost nothing about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole episode, that's what the basis is, you know, oh, we're supposed to judge who's right or wrong based on the beliefs of this race. And yet we're not going to tell you anything about them. And yeah. it's like, you can't do that. You can't just, that, that's my biggest, it's just a hole. Yeah. There's no development of those, of that race, of that religion, of that character, of those characters to be able to make a basis on it. And yet that's what we're asked to judge. So, yeah. 
Yeah. And, and for me, while there might be more important flaws, I'm sorry, the worst thing is the Galapagos scene. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you on the B plot. To me, it could have almost redeemed the episode a little bit more if there was more to it. Um, I kind of like the idea that Ivana maybe gets a little stir crazy, always on the bridge, you know, yeah, I always have to see the action from this window and from this and everybody else is getting to be a part of the action. To me, that's a cool plot. There's more to her asking to go do it than what she has to do. Yeah. (laughs) And then it was like, okay, well, we don't really get it. So But let's fly on by and get to our gray sector where we can kind of talk about some behind the scenes stuff. Now entering gray sector, beware of spoiler zone at end of sector. Uh, But yeah, give me some behind the scenes stuff. What do we know about this episode? I think you you kind of already mentioned that JMS had to write the little scene uh, or or little section with Ivanova uh, kind of as filler. But what else do we know? Yeah, and I was right that JMS had to write the to and fro, fro and to dialogue. And then the rest of it, I think I, instead of going bullet by bullet, I think I can just kind of condense it. Uh, David Gerald, um, he, uh, let me see. Oh, he did not want to write this script, but JMS and Harlan Ellison wanted him to. He said that it was a type of story that's been done a lot before, but he was trying to write the episode and he got to a point, he stopped, he went up to check on his son. And I, I think another factoid in a different source implied that his son might've been adopted. He watched him sleeping and uh, he realized that the son was the same age as Sean, the the kid in the episode. And so at three o'clock in the morning, he called up JMS saying he woke him up and said, you son of a bitch, now I know why you wanted me to write this episode. And and then just hung up the phone. And it was because <laughs> JMS knew that David Gerald was a parent and that it would be important to him, stuff like that. Now, he said he called him up at 3 a.m. and woke him up. But JMS is a, a known night owl. I would not be surprised if JMS was probably up at 3 a.m. still writing. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's, that's enough. Okay. Um, I did have a question for you in Gray Sector, though. Go for it. Uh, at one time, I think part of my issue with this was that I, it felt too Star Trek-like. And not that I dislike Star Trek. You also knew me in high school when I was absolutely obsessed with Star Trek, The Next Generation, Deep Space yeah. Nine. But as JMS has pointed out before, he actually had to rewrite a script because it felt too much like Star Trek. And he said, that's not an insult. It's just they're two different shows. They shouldn't feel the same. At one time, I felt this episode was too Star Trek-like. And then as I gradually started to clue into the complexities of this episode and where it led to, I realized maybe it's not very Star Trek-like because Star Trek would probably do something different, at least in the end. So I'm curious what you think about that. Is this episode too much like Star Trek, the polar opposite of Star Trek, or is it a little bit of both or somewhere in between, or is there just no comparison? I, I kind of have the feeling that it's, it's Star Trek-like. And even, and we're getting ready for another show to come out that we really enjoy, Orville season, season three. And, and yes. We, we joke Can't that wait. Orville is like the true heir apparent to Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, Orville had an episode like this. You know, they had an episode where there's a race that is all males, but actually the kids are born and they have different genders, but they force them to go through a change to be all male. And so, you know, they, they had a very similar 
this the same kind of similar plot you know dealing with the religion and the beliefs of of the, a set people and whether it's right once you kind of get into this multicultural mix of being on a a starship a, a babylon 5 base of things like that and so i did i kind of felt like this was was very similar to a to a star trek episode um, i do see kind of your point of it kind of Babylon five allows you to explore a little bit of a darker side to that. Um, most of the, you know, star Trek wants to end in that happy, you know, Oh, okay. Look, we came up with a good solution and and everybody's good for it. But, uh, but it did, it still to me felt very star Trekky. So I think it had a very star Trek setup, but I think it had a very non star Trek resolution you were comparing to other shows star trek the next generation has an episode kind of like this maybe not a direct parallel where uh wharf has a spinal injury Mm -hmm. and he has to determine whether he is going to go through some kind of surgery to repair his spine or if as a warrior he's going to kill himself except i i think there's some kind of loophole where maybe he can't be the one he's actually got to get his son to do it but he doesn't want to get his son to do it so he tries to get Riker to do it and Riker's like i ain't doing it if if it's got to be your son you're gonna have to make him do it and that makes work change his mind it's don't and episodes like that and other episodes of star trek i think try their best to find some kind of either very convenient solution that kind of satisfies everybody or one where one particular person really sticks to their principles. And so either the principles went out or life wins out, you know, something wins out, but this was one of those episodes where nothing wins out. Every there's just, there's no winner at all in this episode. And it is also a little bit on the dark, depressing side, but I think that is where Star Trek, I'm not saying when Star Trek is unwilling to go there, but they just try to avoid it as often as possible. And with this being a B5 episode, they went for it. Yeah. Okay. Are we ready to rate this episode? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we rate all of our episodes on the Psy rating scale. So from a P1 to a P12, P12 being the highest, uh, P1 being the lowest. Where do you have this one, Todd? I've got this at P7. P7? Barely, yeah, barely over the halfway point or or technically with 12 grades, you know, it, it's either below the halfway point or above the halfway point. And I had this just barely above, just as I described earlier. This is... Uh, used to be one of my least favorite episodes and I guess technically still is, but it's barely crossed the line into the barely acceptable because as I said all along, it has such a mix of good and bad in it. So uh, yeah, right in the middle. I'm almost afraid to give it. (laughs) Um, Go for it. This one gets a P4. Okay. Um, Besides just a few lines here or there that are kind of cool and I liked, um, just a few scenes of interaction that I thought were interesting. Ah, this one just misses the mark. It is not, not there. I know that there's bigger and better things to come and, and we've already seen bigger and better. I kind of mentioned at the beginning that this was definitely kind of the worst so far. Hopefully uh, we'll, we'll rebound well on a next episode but this one gets the lowest rating so far for me which is a p4 and i definitely don't blame you this is a very divisive episode and i used to be 
down there with you. I, <laughs> I, I'm as surprised as anybody else that I'm giving it the grade I am, but okay. I, I can't help it. Uh, now, I think it did plateau because, you know, I said that every time I watch it, I dislike it a little less. So theoretically, if I watch it enough times, it'll be an A+. No, because I watched it just a little while ago. Like you said, we, we kind of had an unintentional hiatus. So I watched it just a little while ago to refresh my memory on it. It really has plateaued because this time – just nothing. I almost felt numb about the episode. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's not going any higher than P seven or a C plus. Okay. Um, um, and also, I know that our episode has run long. If it helps, I'm not sure I really have anything for spoiler zone unless you have questions that might. I do have one question. Have okay. And it kind of falls into my rating and and other things. I almost feel like there's always something in the spoiler zone where I'm like, Oh wow, that's going to lead to something else in the future and, and some future episode. And, and there's a, a tie to bigger and better things. So my, my question for the spoiler zone is if we drop this episode out of the Babylon five universe, is there anything that happens in it that would have repercussions in the future that we would miss? No, no. I, I, don't I kind of felt like that was the, the, not that it's a throwaway episode, but that it was, I kind of felt like the whole episode was almost a filler episode. Like it just didn't tie to too much. Yeah. yeah it's very standalone. And in fact, the only thing that I would have for spoiler zone, and I can go ahead and say it now because I'm not even sure it's a spoiler is that later on, we do learn that Franklin is, is religious in some way, shape or form, whether he believes in a God or in the sentience of the universe, kind of like the Minbari do. <laughs> He, in some way, shape, or form, is involved in some kind of future religion called foundationism. Uh, and I'm not sure that there's any detail given as, into that. So that's why I'm not even sure it's a spoiler. But even that is not addressed in this episode, which means that might be something that is developed later or maybe ignored in this episode or something. I don't know. So even, even Franklin's own religious beliefs aren't really addressed in this episode that he might have early, uh, later on. Okay. Okay. That was kind of my only big thing. I didn't see anything where I'm kind of like, oh, that looked like a reference that might be leading to this. Kind of the only thing that happens in it that I know is tied to the greater plot is we're still fighting the Ivanova has Raiders. to the Raiders, you know? Yeah. And that's, yeah. And there's not much of that either. Yeah. I mean, and that was kind of it. <laughs> like, okay, we know the Raiders are out there. Um, so, yeah. Uh, okay. That's all. Yeah, I thought I'd give you that option in case you wanted to skip spoiler zone. Yeah, I think we're good on that one. So we can call this episode a wrap. Ah, oh, um, thank goodness. <laughs> um, I definitely ran longer than I thought it would. It's, so appreciate you guys bearing with us. Uh, even though it wasn't a great episode, I do feel like there were some things we needed to dissect and kind of look into as to why. Um, and hopefully we touched on some things that were still kind of redeeming values of why you may want to watch the episode for all of our listeners out there. Thank you for joining us on this ride. Um, continue to follow us on whichever, whatever pod chaser or podcast platform you listen to. Uh, make sure you rate us, help spread the word for those who are listening and have missed us for a little while. Thank you so much. And we appreciate your hanging with us and coming back and 
yeah, spread the word, let other people know that we're out here and we're reviewing these episodes and hopefully we have something interesting to add to the argument and add to the show. Email us at discerninglurkers at gmail.com or interact with us on our Discerning Geeks Portal uh, Facebook page, the Discerning Geeks Portal. Uh, We look forward to hearing any comments or interacting with you in any way. Todd, what else did you have for us? Well, for Ryan and Rachel, the Yum Yum podcast, the way that they score their episodes is just yum if they don't like it, yum yum if they do. Is it possible to give something a yum and maybe just the why of the second yum? (laughs) I'm just wondering, like a partial yum, like a yum and a yum. Is that possible? See, I'm still not sure that this wouldn't just be a yeah. <laughs> I don't know that it gets the whole mm. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it gets a full yum. It's just a <laughs> um, All right. Thanks for listening, Todd. I appreciate you helping um, explain this episode and, and all the behind the scenes information. Yeah. So guys, thanks for listening. Look forward to talk to you again. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs>